parsha is Bamidbar. Before we start, I would just like to thank Shalom Yaakov Geyer for uh, consistently being here on time and opening the door. Um, I don't see how I could do it unless he did it. So I thank him and uh, Atit has given him a, a small gift which I hope he will be able to put to good use. The end of the parashah Bamidbar ends with a kind of strange declaration. If you look at the psukim at the beginning of the sheet, Vayedabe Hashem El Moshe Vel Aharon Lemor Al Tachritu Et Shevet Bishpechat HaKohati Mitoch HaLeviyim You know, the Torah has explained to us that when the Mishkan in the desert is taken apart, the different families of Levi um, are supposed to carry different parts of the Mishkan. The family of Kahat is the family that carried the most um, sacred, including the Aron HaKodesh, but everything that was on the other side of the Parochet in the Kodesh Kadashim was carried by the family of Kahat. So, there's a special warning at the end of the parasha. Al tachritu et shevet mishpechot hakati mitoch halavim. Don't cut them off. Tachritu, karet. Don't cause them to be cut off. Now, what that means exactly, I don't really know, but I, I, mean, I don't think it's, uh, it's not a reference to the punishment that we call karet. But it is, uh, simply, it means they should not be cut off or cut down or destroyed. Why would they be destroyed? So, but this is what they should do. Even though above, Moshe Rabbeinu has instructed them that they're the ones who take down the Aron and all of the kalim that are in the Kodesh Kodashim. But now he adds a footnote. And he says, this is what you should do. What should you do? Aron Uvanav Yavro. First, Aron Uvanav. Kohanim. Now, the Kohanim were the only ones who were not complete strangers to the Kodesh Kodashim. Because Anyoma Kippurim, the Kohen Gadol, entered the Kodesh Kodashim. So, the Torah says, before Kahat goes in to take the Kalim and carry them away, and you remember the Aron, the Badeha Aron, those staffs that were hooked into the Aron that you carried them with, they were always there. You didn't have to do anything, right? You just had to, to lift it up. This is first Aron of Banav Yavo, Vesamo Atam Ish Ish Al Avodato, so, they should come in and do something. Uh, we know that uh, the way uh, Chazal learned what they were supposed to do was take the parochet, Arona Banav. They took the parochet, the parochet is like a curtain, and cover the Aron with the curtain. And then after they covered the Aron with the curtain, then the B'nai Kahat would come in and take the Aron to wherever B'nai Yisrael happened to be going. And then the uh, last Pasuk, the last Pasuk says, V'lo yavo'u lir'ot. We find out what the issue is. That the B'nai Kahat should not have to look at the Aron HaKodesh. Because apparently looking at the Aron HaKodesh is devastating. It'll cause a tremendous uh, destruction. So in order to avoid them looking at the Aron HaKodesh, the Kohanim come in and they take the Parochet, they cover the Aron with the Parochet, and then the Bnei Kahat come in and they pick up the they pick up the Aron and they walk with the Aron to wherever they are going. So that's the first part of the Pasuk. Lo Kivala et HaKodesh Vametu. Now, that's a difficult pasuk, or difficult stitch in a pasuk, 
And l- let's stick to Rashi. What does Rashi say it means? Lo yavol od kavalat kodesh letoch nartik shelom. That every one of the kelim had a kind of a bag or had a kind of a covering that you put it into. Lo yavol od. They would they would do all of that. And Rashi says, this is what I, uh, I said, uh, already in the parasha, or the parasha zone, another pasuk, and pasuk, hey, pasuk, a lot, beget ploni, the kisa oto benechset ploni, uvalua shalo, hu kaisuyo. So that, that word, that we're, that's kind of difficult, kivala et kodesh, means that the kodesh is covered up. The, co- the Kodesh is covered up. So, like, so w- what is it we're talking about? We're talking about the fact that even though Berei Kahat were charged to uh, uh, carry the Aron, they still can't look at it. And in order to make sure that they don't look at it, the Kohanim go in and cover up all the Kalim, and then only then do the Berei Kahat come in and do what they have to do. What they have to do. I want to remind you of something that the Ramban wrote in his introduction. You remember that the Ramban added an introduction to each of the books of the Torah. Right? Shemot, Vayikra, Bamidbar, and Dvarim. The introduction to Breshit, the specific introduction to Breshit, I think, is part of the introduction to Shemot. And the long introduction that the Ramban wrote, which is usually printed at the beginning of the book of Breshit, that long introduction could more properly be called the introduction to the Torah. To Torah. What's Torah? There's a long introduction that the Ramban wrote, and that's the topic. The topic's not the book of Breshit, but the topic is the Torah. And the specific introduction to the book of Shemot includes the idea that Breshit is Sefer Yitzira, right? The book of creation. Uh, so now you all know that the Torah, in some manner or form, was supposed to end at the end of Vayikra. No? <laughs> the Torah should have ended at the book of Vayikra, because after the book of Vayikra, what does the last Pasuk in Vayikra say? The last pasuk is Vayikra. Eile. Eile, it says. Mishpatim. These are them. These are them. What do you mean, these are them? Finished. We're finished. What does the last parish in the book of Vayikra contain? What we have come to call the Tochacha. But it's not the Tochacha. It's not a Tochacha. What is it? The last, the Pasha Bechukotai. The Pasha Bechukotai is an agreement. If you do good, you get good. And if you don't do so good, you're not going to get, you're going to get bad, right? That's what, that's what it says. That's the end of, so that agreement was forged between the Kodesh Bochu and B'nai Yisrael when? When they were about to enter Eretz Yisrael. So, what happened? What happened was the parasha of Shlach. The parasha of Shlach is the parasha of the Baraglim. And because of the parasha of the Baraglim, the Jews were unable to enter Eretz Yisrael. Instead, they drayed around in the desert for 38 years. Now, the story of those 38 years is told where? Where is the, the story of those 38 years? In the book of Bamidbar. I mean, it doesn't tell us what happened every day. But it tells us a couple of things that are of great significance in the book of Bamidbar. So the book of Bamidbar, the book of Dvarim, what's the book of Dvarim? It's a couple of days at the end of the life of Moshe Rabbeinu. And it includes a lot of mitzvot that we didn't know about. Had the Jews gone into Eretz Yisrael, when would we have learned those mitzvot? All those mitzvot are in the book of Dvarim. We would have learned them from Yoshua bin Nun. And they would probably be included in his book, in the book of Yoshua bin Nun. 
But since the Jews did not go to Eretz Yisrael, when they got to Arvot Moab, all these extra mitzvot, which Moshe Rabbeinu knew about from Har Sinai, were taught to B'nai Yisrael in Arvot Moab. So the book of Bamidbar, according to this sequence of events, is a book which in theory, like somehow, I don't know if you're supposed to say this or you're not supposed to say this, so I'll introduce it by saying, I don't know if you should say it or you shouldn't say it, but the book of Bamidbar, the book of Bamidbar is not part of the original plan. Because the original plan was when Israel should leave the tribe, should get the Torah, go to Eretz Yisrael. That was the plan. The 38 extra years were the result of B'nai Yisrael's, uh, you know, inability to live up to the demand. Now, if you look at the sheet, the sheet says, you see, this, uh, the next, the next section says Ramban Hakdama Sefer Bamidbar. Right? You see. So the Ramban wrote an introduction to this book of Bamidbar, in which he says, if you look at the, I mean, I'm not going to do the whole thing because it's not relevant, but if you look four lines from the bottom. The, towards the end of the line, you see a sefer azeh where it says a sefer azeh. Yes, here. I'll highlight it. Okay, now you all see it. Good. It always works. A sefer azeh, the Ramban says. Kulo b'mitzvot sha'ah. What's mitzvot sha'ah? I don't know. I mean, it's not a halachic term, but it is what it sounds like. Mitzvot sha'ah, mitzvot which were given to B'nai Yisrael in the desert for that time, for the time that they were in the desert. So it's not, there are no real mitzvot. There are no real mitzvot. Asefer ezei kulo b'mitzvot sha'ah I mean, you remember any miracles? Remember the snakes? Remember the Nechash Nechoshet? The, the copper snake that Moshe Rabbeinu... That's miracles. Miracles are not something that you... that you have to carry with you. They're there, they come, they go. And you see that at the end of the book, towards the end of the book of Bamidbar, the enemies, you know, Sichon and Og, they were the, the, the great enemies. And finally, in the parish of Pinchas, Pinchas, you remember? It's a way down. We didn't get there yet. In the parish of Pinchas, the Torah uh, uh, commands Moshe Rabbeinu to begin dividing up the land. The land of, of, of Eretz Yisrael. You ready? I mean, even though it's part of the Chavisha Chubshe Torah, it's more like Breshit than it is like Dvarim. Because in the book of Bamidvar, there are no mitzvot. And in the book of Breshit, there are hardly any mitzvot. I wouldn't say no mitzvot, but hardly any uh, mitzvot. And then he says, the Ramban says, Zulatik tzat mitzvot. Okay, here and there. There's a mitzvah. You know, this is not a perfect setup. But the smell of the book of Amidbar is the smell of a book that doesn't have mitzvot in it. And then he says, Zulatik sat mitzvot He says, it's true that in Bamidbar there is in fact in the parish of Pinchas, right? You have all of the korbanot that were brought on the different moadim. He says, okay, that's kind of an addition to Vayikra. Because that doesn't count, the Ramban is saying. It doesn't change the essential nature of the book. It doesn't change the essential nature of the book. 
So this is the book which does not have mitzvot in it. But an interesting, an interesting side point, an interesting side point you may remember, in the Mishnah in, um, I mean the question is this, this command that Moshe Rabbeinu made, that the Bnei Kahat should not be able to look at the Aron. Is that a mitzvah? Or is it not a mitzvah? So there's a machlokit. We showed him about whether it's a mitzvah or not. The Rambam says it's not, and the Ramban says it is. But the Gemara says, the Gemara says that from this posuk, you learn that Agonev et HaKasava has, was over a lot. HaKasava is a kli, a, a, a vessel. Some vessel has to do the Beit HaMikdash. If you steal it, you're chayev, and you're chayev from here. So let's, uh, let's uh, summarize. Let's summarize. According to the Ramban, the book of Bamidbar is not a book of mitzvot. It's almost an extra book of the Torah, which was generated by the fact that the Yisrael did not want to go to Eretz Yisrael after the, the Miraglim. And their punishment was that they would spend 38 years wandering around the desert. And those 38 years basically are recorded here in the book of Dvarim. Right? The highlights. The highlights of 38 years are in the book of Dvarim. Bamidbar. In the book of Bamidbar, the book of Dvarim, of course, has a lot of mitzvot and a lot of directives, a lot of conversation, but it took place several days before the death of Moshe Rabbeinu. So, if you had to ask the question, that is the question, this idea that the Bnei Kahat cannot look at, um, look at the uh, Aron, does this idea continue to exist? Is it true always? So you may remember, because we mentioned it once, that there's a Gemara in Yuma, and the Gemara and Yuma says, Gemara and Yuma says that when B'nai Yisrael would come on Yom HaKippurim to Davin in the Beit HaMikdash, they would open up the parochet. They would open up the curtain that separated the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodeshim. And when they opened it, everybody could see, everybody could see the Kruvin. And there the Gemara says, people looked. If the Kruvim were facing each other, that means that B'nai Yisrael found favor in the eyes of heaven. If the Kruvim were turned away from each other, looking at the house, the Bayit, the Beit HaMikdash, then that was a sign that B'nai Yisrael had not achieved the proper level of devotion to God. So the question that we would ask based on this pasuk about the Bnei Kahat, how was it possible that Bnei Yisrael was allowed to look at the Kodesh Kodoshim even though the information that they received was important information? But, but isn't there a, contract, a, 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 a contradiction between the fact that the Bnei Kahat could not go into the Kodesh Kodoshim, even though they were, they had a job to do, they specifically had to go in. And here, B'nai Yisrael is given the opportunity to go in to the Kodesh Kodashim. And so, you know, we'll leave that question for a moment. If you look at the, uh, the source which begins by Midbar Rabbah, Here, Omar Rabbi Yehuda, the third line, the middle of the third line. Omar Rabbi Yehuda Levi Barab Shalom wrote Se'atalil Mod Be'eze Inyan Meitin B'nei Kahat. Says, I want to learn about this problem. What, what is it that would cause the death of B'nei Kahat? Tzayu Lamad, Mina Mikra Hazet, Velo Yavolu Ot, Kivala, the chulei, the pasuk that we saw, the lamed, pshayava in 
when they would come in to carry the Aron HaKodesh, so they would take off the, this is what the Medrash says, that not that the Kohanim would come in, but that Rashi says the Kohanim came in. The Medrash says they themselves would take off the Parochet and cover the Aron. To carry the Aron. And they would kind of be eaten up, Shinemar, Kiloyirani Adam Vachai. Remember that Pasuk? We'll look at it at it in a minute. This is Moshe Rabbeinu, God's response to Moshe Rabbeinu who wanted to see God. And God says to him, Lo yir ani ha'adam. V'chai, it's not possible. V'hei chasalah Moshe. Takana. How did he fix this problem? Amar lo alokim b'sha'ashiyah mefarkim et ha'mishkan. Lo yu b'nei ka'at mefarkin et ha'parochet b'bnei ha'aron. Elo yu b'nei ha'aron nechlasim u'mefarkin. Although it was like a kind of a development. First b'nei ka'at thought they could do it themselves. Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu, no, the Kohanim should come in. They should come in and do it. Shelo yamutu mena mistaklin ba'aron. Dramar v'lo yavu lerot kivala. Zeh ha'aron imosim kain ma'u kivala. Barabi Levi imro in ba'aron kivala hazeh. Shehu nofel min ha'ayin. Something that is like if you see it, but you don't see it. Because it's covered up. Like you look at it, but you don't see the Aron. You just see the cover on the Aron. And then he says, So who are the Anshay Beit Shemesh? Look at the next source. You see the next source? Well, you know, everybody today knows where Beit Shemesh is. So imagine it's the same place. Right? Beit Shemesh is in Beit Shemesh. What happened was, that the Philistines, the Plishtim, were able to conquer the Aron, to capture it. And they kept it for a long time. Something like, you know, the Hamas and Shalit. But they captured the Aron, the Aron HaKodesh, and they kept it. They kept it out, and then they realized that they were being punished. People were sick and people were dying. The Philistines, and they decided that they wanted to give it back. Yeah, and they did. They gave back the Arana Kodesh. The Arana Kodesh had to be brought from wherever it was in Philistine territory, which is like the Gaza Strip. What we call the Gaza Strip, they called it Philistine land. So they brought back the Aaron Kodesh. And then if you look here, you look, the story, Pasuk Aleph. You see, Shmuel Aleph, Perik Vav. Vayihi Aron Hashem v'stei plishtim shiva chadashim. That's a long time. That is a long time. And we're not sure exactly what the Aron, we talked about this also, what this Aron contained. Because this was the Aron that they took with them when they went to war. So they were going to war with the Philistines, but the Philistines outsmarted them and stole the Aron. And then B'nai Yisrael, of course, couldn't fight because they were in such a state of distress. So Pasuk Aleph says, Vayyon Hashem v'stei plishtim shiv'a chodashim. Vayikru'u plishtim l'kohanim l'kosmim l'emor. Manasel Aron Hashem. Hodiyunu v'ma nishlechanu limkomo. Vayomru im mishalchim et Aron elo ke Yisrael. There were these five the Philistine officers that would come back with the with the Aron. That's what so, so there was they 
there's a description of the way they went to get to Beit Shemesh. If you skip until um, Pasuk Yud Bet, right? Yud Bet, Vayisharna Haparot Paderech Haderech Beit Shemesh B'Misilah Chat Alchu Halok V'Gaovel Osar Yaminu Smol V'Sanei Plishdim Ochrim Achrihem Ad Gvup Beit Shemesh. So there was a wagon, and the wagon was pulled by oxen, and behind the oxen and the alone was on the wagon. There were these Sarnei Plishdim, right? It was like a like a whole. It was like transfer. You know, you can imagine the Red Cross on one of these bridges and there's going to be a transfer from them to us, from us to them. That's how it works. You have to have the us and you have to have the them. They looked up. The people of Beit Shemesh and they saw the Aron was coming and they were filled with joy. They started sacrificing and they were very happy. So, they stopped. The procession stopped. And they took, the Levium took the Aron off of the wagon and put it on a big stone so that everybody could see. Everybody wanted to see because this was the Aron that was missing for months, seven months. So they were all interested in looking and that's what they did. They all looked at the Aron. Pasigutet. We'll skip a Pasig. God punished them. Because they saw what they should not have seen. They saw the Aron Hashem. When did they see the Aron Hashem? When the Aron was taken off of the wagon and put down on the ground or put down on the stone. So they saw what they were not supposed to see. Where does it say they weren't supposed to see it? Well, right here in our Psukim at the end of the parish of Bamidbar. So it's hard to understand, you know, what the emotions would have been. They didn't have the Aaron suddenly. They saw the Aaron, they were full of joy, they started giving sacrifices, and then there was this tremendous destruction amongst the men of Beit Shemesh who saw what they should not have seen. So there's no doubt that the mitzvah that is discussed, the mitzvah that is discussed at the end of the Parashat Midbar, was still in force at this time when the Plishtim stole the Aron. And when it came back to B'nai Yisrael, all of the people who were there, all the people of Beit Shemesh, transgressed this love that they're not allowed to look. So I go back again, and I just ask you, what happened in the Beit HaMikdash? What happened in the Beit HaMikdash? But there are two more things that I'd like to tell you. One is the Pesach at the bottom of page 2. Right, the Pesach at the bottom of page 2 says, Vayomero paro to Moshe Rabbeinu, Lech me'alai, be careful. Be watchful. What does mean? I don't want to see you again. I don't want to see you again. But when the king says, I don't want to see you again, how does he say it? I don't want you to see my face. I don't want you to see my face. I mean, even though Paro, your Paro was not a great guy, and he was certainly not a great Talmud Chacham, but... It is true, or we know that it's true, that we are enjoined, we are directed to learn about Malchut, about kingship, from non-Jews. And the Ramban says, the Ramban says in the parish of Tetzaveh, the parish of Tetzaveh is about Big Day Kuhuna, it's about Big Day Kuhuna. You know the Big Day Kuhuna were very fancy, 
a lot of gold, a lot of tassels, and a lot of bells, and, 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 and uh, whatever. And the Ramban says, the Ramban says, you want to know how to make Begidei Kuna? You look at the king. So if you read Begilat there, in Begilat there, there are statements about the clothing that was uh, uh, worn by the, uh, the king in Poras, and the clothing was transferred at the end of the Begilat to Mordechai, right? Not to Haman, Haman first, and then, then to Mordechai, so that there is a certain amount of importance to clothing if you're talking about Malchus. So I just quote this Pasuk to say that this lingo, the way Paro said it, our Tosef Lerot Panai is like saying you are not worthy of standing in my presence. Now, anybody can say that. But the way that the king says it is, is this. He showed her lechal tosef ro'ot panai, ki biyon ro'ot cha panai tamut. Right? Like, what's the aveir? What did he do wrong? He was not invited. Esther said, I have not been invited, I have not been invited for a long time. So what will happen? What will happen? Am I worthy? Lirot Pnei HaMelech. That was Esther's dilemma. And that dilemma is reflected in this Pasuk and the, in the formulation that, um, in the formulation that Paro made when he was speaking to uh, Moshe Rabbeinu. Now finally, let's look at these Pesukim. Shemot Periklam and Gimel. We already saw a, a reference to Shemot Periklam and Gimel in the Medrash. On page 3, and this is like one of the most, uh, I mean, it's, it's one of the most theological uh, a group of Pesukim in the Torah. It doesn't tell me how I am. It doesn't tell me how God is. It tells me how the relationship is. And after all, that's what everybody is looking for. I mean, all religious people are looking for the relationship. Uh, you know, unfortunately, they can train themselves to do without it. Uh, but that's what they're looking for. I mean, the ones who still have the energy to look. So he, here you see, Vayomer Moshe Hashem Re'eh Ata Omer Eli Halat Amazeb Ata Lohodatani Eit Asher Tishlachi Mi Vata Amarta Yedaticha B'Shem V'Gam Atzata Chayim Me'ena So Moshe Rabbeinu goes into a kind of a conversation which is subsequent to the conversation that he had with the Kaddish Baruch about the building of the Egel Azahav. Moshe Rabbeinu asked for forgiveness. And forgiveness meant that B'nai Yisrael would not be wiped out and they would be able to continue to Eretz Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu apparently received from God that forgiveness. And B'nai Yisrael were going to live and they would continue on the way to Eretz Yisrael. But Moshe Rabbeinu is not satisfied. He knew that something had changed. And what is it that he says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu at this Pasuk, Pasuk Yudbet? Ata lo hudatani et asher tishlach imi. You have not clarified, you God, Hashem, you have not clarified who will lead us to Eretz Yisrael. Who is taking us? Pasuk Yudgimel. Vata. I mean, he's sort of supplicating God. Uh, uh, please be nice to us. Be good with us. Uh, uh, let's have this relationship. We don't know exactly what he's talking about. Vayomar. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Panaye lechu v'anichoti lach. Panaye lechu, Rashi says, Lo eshlach od malach. Ani batzmi elech. Panaye lechu. The word panim, the word panai, as we saw with the paro, 
The word panai means everything. If you say God's face, you mean all of God. Panai yelechu. And then, Pasuk tetva vayome elav imein panecho olchim al ta'aleinu bazeh. He says, if you don't go with us, your face, Moshe Rabbeinu says, your face doesn't go with us, I'll tell you, we say, we don't, it's not, we don't want to go to Eretz Yisrael. Right, we're special. We're separate. This too, Panai, my face, will go, will lead B'nai Yisrael in that direction. Pasuk Yudchet, Vayomar. And what's left? What is left for Moshe Rabbeinu to ask for? Moshe Rabbeinu uh, asked for forgiveness. Receive forgiveness. Moshe had asked that God should go with them too. Eretz Yisrael, God said, okay. I mean, what's left? What is left by Yomer? Pasuk Yudchet. Vayomar har'eni na et kivodecha. Rashi. You see the Rashi Pasuk Yudchet? La'ab Moshe. So he said, oh, I've had a role. I got forgiveness. Let me ask the ultimate request that any person would ask in my position. That's what, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. Vikarati Bishem Hashem Lifanecha Vikanoti et Asher Achonri Hamti et Hashem et Asher Arachem. Rashi says, Higia Sha'a Shetir Ebich Vodima She Ersha Otcha Lir Ot. Akurish Bohu is acquiescing according to Rashi to this request. Okay, it's a Baruch says yes. Says this is going to happen. There'll be So then pasuk kaf. Sipasukav, it all comes to an end. Vayomer, lo tuchaler otet panai, ki lo yerani haadam vachai. You won't be able to see my face. Rashi, avk shavir kol tovi al panecha, even though I will pass all the goodness upon your face, enuma teinachal yishutler otet panai. That not. You can't see my face. In other words, the malchut of HaKadosh Baruch Hu cannot be compromised. Even in a, a remarkable time when Moshe Rabbeinu is going to be allowed to see something that no one else has ever seen. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Vayom HaShem, Pasukaf Aleph, Hinei makom itivinitzavta al atzur. Sit down on this rock. When Kvodi, Kavod, passes by Moshe Rabbeinu, you'll be in this kind of crevice in the rock. And I will somehow put my hands over you until I pass. Vasiroti et kapi after I pass. Raita et achorai ufanai lo yero. So here's Moshe Rabbeinu. He is 
he's involved in the great, greatest religious moment of all history. Actually coming into contact with God such that the kavod of God, the panim of God, will be available to him. And a Kodesh Baruch Hu says to him, okay, kavod, but no panim. No panim. So if I think of the essential nature, the essential nature of, of the presence of God, the word that, that is the word that we use or should use is panim. Is panim. And that's why we say, that's why we say, Kiba or panecha natata lanu. Hashem elokeinu terat chayim avat chesed. Where do we say that? What? At the end of Shemun Esher, right? Yes. Kiba or panecha natata lanu. What's or? Or, you know, it's it's the incomprehensible light. I mean, that's what or is. Or is kind of even today sort of incomprehensible. You know. Is it this or is it that? It expands endlessly. It could be contained. It's like different. I mean, you don't have to be a physicist to know that that light, amongst the things that we might come into contact with, that light is very unique and strange. Where does Torah Chayim Vavat Chesed come from? Or Panecha. That's what we say. Where is the Orpanecha located? The Orpanecha is obviously located between the cherubs that were on top of the Iron Kodesh because that's where Moshe Rabbeinu went to learn the Torah. So the Orpanecha Natatalanu through Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu went into the Kodesh Kodoshim and he learned from a Kodesh Bochu the next parasha in the Torah and he taught that to B'nai Yisrael and that's Or, Torah Or. Right, Torah or, or Padecha, Panim means that that's as close as you can get. Who tried to get even closer than that? Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu after the, the Cheta Egel, beseeching God for mercy and receiving that mercy, wanted, wanted to kind of close the deal with a special awareness of the presence of God, even more than he had on Har Sinai, which is called Kavod. That's Kavod, because that's what it says in the Pasuk. And now we're up to Panim. And Akadosh Baruch says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Panim, you can't see. You can't get Panim. And so at the end of the parish of Bamidbar, at the end of the parish of Bamidbar, Akadosh Baruch says to the Levian, who was supposed to carry the Arona Kodesh, they said, but you understand that you cannot come to the Panim. You can't see the face of God. Where is the face of God found? The face of God is found between the Kruvim on the, on the Aron HaKodesh. That's as close as you could possibly come. So I asked the question, if that's true, and all of that I imagine is true, on some level of truth, how is it possible that when the Israel were asked to stand and look at the Kruvim on Yom Kippurim to see if they were doing well or they were not doing well? So I remind you, the Kruvim that Shlomo HaMelech built, so I want to finish that sentence, were different than the Kruvim that Moshe Rabbeinu made. Now, even though it's true that if you learn, I mean, we talked about this once, even though it's true that if you learn the, the parasha in the book of Shmuel, the book of Devarayomim, certainly there's a kind of an imitation that was done. Like the kelim of the Mbiktash of Shlomo Melech were imitations of the kelim in the Mishkan. They were imitations. So if they were imitations, if they were, they, they should sort of be the same. But we know that the Kruvim of Shlomo HaMelech were not imitations. If you look in the, in the, in the, in the relevant Sukim in Shmuel and Divrei Amim, and you remember, remember, I think we even brought in a picture. 
with those pictures are not so helpful because the people who wrote those, who made those pictures weren't there. It's not just a picture. It's like virtual. Everything's virtual. But people tend to believe a picture more than they believe yourself. I say, I don't know what it looks like and you bring in a picture so you're going to win, right? So, the Kruvim that Shlomo HaMelech made stood on the floor of the Beit of, of the Kodesh Kadashim. The two Kruvim, right, with the with their wings, right, their wings spread, filled up the whole room and they stood in front of the Aron HaKodesh. These Kruvim that Shlomo HaMelech made, which means that the Kruvim of Moshe Rabbeinu did not exist. The Kruvim of Moshe Rabbeinu were the Kruvim of Panim. At Panaitir U. Moshe Rabbeinu was able to receive the Torah from HaKadosh Baruch through those Kruvim. But when that was finished, when that was finished and Shlomo Melech came to build the Beit HaMikdash, he didn't need Kruvim. He needed a different kind of Kruvim. He didn't need the Kruvim that Moshe Rabbeinu built because those were the Kruvim that delineated the Panim, the place of God from which Moshe Rabbeinu heard the Torah directly. But in the Beit HaMikdash, the Torah already existed. There was no, no need for those Kruvim. So Shlomo HaMelech built new Kruvim. He built new Kruvim that... Uh, uh, served a different purpose. So that only leaves the people from Beit Shemesh. Right? The people from Beit Shemesh, what Aaron were they looking at? Were they looking at the Aaron of Moshe Rabbeinu or the Aaron of Shlomo Abelach? Clearly, they were looking at the Aaron of Moshe Rabbeinu because that story took place long before the Beit HaMikdash was actually built. So that the Isur, the prohibition of looking at the Panim on the Arona Kodesh was in place. And that's why the Rambam says, the Rambam says, <coughs> the Rambam says that this love, as the Ramban said, that this love that you shouldn't look at the Arona Kodesh was only are uh, 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 true in the Midbar, but not in the Beit HaMikdash. It was not true. In the, there was no love in the Beit HaMikdash because you see, people looked at people looked at the at the Kruvim. So I would say, I say like you, you take one object, you take the Aron, and of course the Aron, uh, you know, is, has a lesson. There's a lesson in the Aron. There's something that we have to kind of tune ourselves into. Something we have to think about. And that, that is that, you know, sanctity, sanctity is always problematic. Because we understand, and this is something that the Balatanya speaks about at length, we have to understand that, that we're not really fit for sanctity. Because, how would it be if we would be in a Makom Kadosh, or in a, the presence of God, and, and you're hungry, you say, excuse me, I've got to go eat the sandwich. And it's sort of like jarring. This idea that, uh, that, that in the middle of this experience, we would have to take care of our bodies. The Balatanya is very kind of concerned about this. It's not that taking care of your body is a bad thing. It's just that, I mean, the Balatanya maybe says it is, but we'll say it isn't. Taking care of your body is not a bad thing, but it's, it creates a digression. It's something else. There's nothing else to do. It's something else you're interested in. I mean, and you can't help yourself. You can't really help yourself. So when Moshe Rabbeinu went to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and said to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I want to see your face. He obviously thought of the lesson. I mean, can you imagine that he would be able to guide Yisrael into seeing the face of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? 
That would be remarkable. But HaKadosh Baruch said to him that ultimately there's a divide between B'nai Adam and heaven. And that divide is emphasized again and again in the Torah starting from Migdal Babel from the Tower of Babel where the, the people wanted to do something that could be interpreted as a good thing. They wanted to bring the earth up to heaven. They wanted to be with the gods. They didn't want to be with the, the second stringers in the world. They would spend all their time fighting and talking. They wanted to be with God. You know that the, the most uh, uh, a remarkable description in the book of the Rambam is that the Rambam describes, and he quotes it right out of Chazal, how it'll be in Olam Haba. How will it be? Well, it'll just be great. Because there's nothing greater than the Shekhinah. That's what the Rambam said. There's nothing greater than being near Shekhinah. So, yes, but that's in Olam Haba, not in Olam Hazeh. So, in Olam Hazeh, you could only see a little bit of God. And you have to hope that the rest of what you might be able to see will come upon you in Olam Haba. And so B'nai Kahat were charged with carrying the Aron from one place to another. You would think, okay, they're charged so they could do it. Isn't that what it means when God tells you to do something? And yet here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, that's the right thing to do. The right thing to do is that somebody should be in charge. And that B'nai Kahat are the ones who are chosen, but they really can't do it. Because if they mistakenly take a look at the Aron, if they attempt to see the Panim, if they look between the Kruvim, between those cherubs and see the place which we call Pinei Hashem, they have to be killed. The transgression cannot be overlooked. And so Moshe Rabbeinu was not able, because Moshe Rabbeinu was not just a person, but he was the leader, he was the teacher, he was the example, so you couldn't see God's face, Moshe Rabbeinu. And therefore, there was a love established which worked during the desert against B'nai Kahat, and finally against the people in Beit Shemesh. And then, however, when Shlomo Melch built the, the uh, he built the Beit HaMikdash, he understood that this, that the situation had changed, that the Torah had been taught, that Moshe Rabbeinu was not going in, and in fact the Kohanim had the use of the Urim Vitumim, which sort of took the place of uh, the future telling that God might have of the Mishka. And so, he built the Beit HaMikdash, he put in the Aron, but he did not use the same Kruvim. The Kruvim that Moshe Rabbeinu used were the Kruvim uh, that B'nai Yisrael would be able to look upon to see what the spiritual state of the nation was. The other Kruvim that were forbidden did not exist and were not reproduced by Moshe, by Moshe Rabbeinu. Have a good Shabbos.